What's up, everybody? Welcome to the pregame edition on the Inside OU podcast for the Oklahoma Texas Tech game starting tomorrow at everybody's favorite time, 11 a.m. in the morning. Uh, this is Brady Trantham, and I am joined on the Skype machine by Mr. Rufus Alexander and Mr. John Hoover. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Fantastic. Yeah. Hell yeah. My daughter, my daughter had a homecoming float thing today, so I've been doing extra great today. <laughs> That's awesome. Got a lot of sun today. Got a lot of sun. Got a lot of tanning in today. Yeah, it's, so got to love that. It's uh, getting a little bit warmer throughout the week. Um, the last time I checked the weather, though, for tomorrow's game, it's supposed. Is it still supposed to be stormy, or is it just going to be hot again? Is it forty percent chance of uh, scattered thunderstorms? Well, hopefully, the thunderstorms come at like ten thirty, and then come in again at like eleven. Then that'll move the game back, and everybody will know it and move back. Because you have to what you have to what a 15, 20 minute window before you can get back on the field before you um, lightning whatever. Rufus, or is it thirty minutes? How long? How much time you have to have between lightning? Rufus, there have been two weather delays for an OU Texas Tech game in Norman, and one of them ended terribly. So let's not take our chances here. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, everybody, um, everybody's excited for OU to return back to action after the bye week. Uh, OU, like I said, takes on Texas Tech tomorrow. No uh, Bowman for the Red Raiders. It's going to be Jet Duffy. And according to Matt Wells, uh, John, um, you're probably going to see both quarterbacks uh, with Texas Tech. I don't know exactly how that's going to work out, but uh, Mm -hmm. I'll just start with you, John. Um, Jet Duffy is a backup quarterback, and he's a little liberal with the football in terms of Mm -hmm. he likes to turn the ball over sometimes. But this is still an Oklahoma defense that the jury is still technically out on them. They have performed well against their competition, and that's exactly what their job has been to do. Um, but this is Big 12 play now. This is Texas Tech. This is a jet, uh, quarterback in Jet Duffy who did have a lot of success in the second half in Lubbock against this very same defense. So my question to you, John, um, I mean, are we going to be able to find out something about this defense? Are we going to be able to really have a better understanding of what this defense is if there's another good performance on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, listen, it's it's like a mosaic. It's like a ladder. Every piece leads to the next piece. You can't, you, you know, it's like a puzzle piece. When you're playing 12 college football games, you you can't say, okay, game week three, we're finished product. No, it's going to be a process for Alex Grinch to get this defense to where it is. And it's not going to happen this year. It's going to happen over the course of the next few years. But the, this this game right here, if you see more takeaways, they've got five on the season. If you see more tackles for loss, they've got 22 so far this season. If you see sacks, I think they have nine so far this season. If you see those things, those are all signs of progress. So if here's the deal. If you don't see him, it's like, whoops, maybe we overestimated what this defense has done so far. Yeah, and Rufus, do you kind of share those sentiments, or is it just still kind of a, this is a kind of an average team coming into Norman, a team that doesn't have a lot of success in Norman uh, historically with a backup quarterback? Are you still kind of taking that angle, or are you pretty excited for the test that Tech does present to this defense? I'm, I'm excited for the, the test that it poses to them. I mean, it's just every game's a journey. Uh, every team, every year that you play against them, I mean, you never think about what happened last year. You always think about what the threat that they pose in this coming year because it only takes one loss, one bad game for everybody to think that you're not any good or anything. So um, for me, I just want to see those guys go out and perform and handle business and get sacks and get turnovers and stuff. But you can't look at this game as, well, last year they did this. 
Um, you go into this game, this is a new slate, new team, Texas Tech coming in with new guys, new coach. So this is all a whole total new and unfamiliar situation to them, and they have to prepare like they haven't faced this team before. So um, I'm still gonna uh, still holding back on this defense and who they are and whatever because their non-conference wasn't so great. So I'm, I'm just gonna I'm still gonna wait. They're improved, but I think they can. I want to see if they're better than what they were last year. Did they just kind of mask a few things earlier on um, and see if they've grown some more and how they take on Texas Tech? Because the competition is going to be really good. I mean, not say really good. It's going to be a lot better than the first three games they've had. See, that's why I have you guys both on here because you're both really smart, and I 100% agree with with all those takes. Uh, Texas Tech is what they are, uh, but they do represent a problem that OU has had trouble with over these last few seasons, particularly uh, pass-happy teams, particularly teams with athletic quarterbacks that can make plays outside of the pocket. Um, So, like you said, Rufus, the test is there. Is the competition where it, you know, it needs to be for us to, like, if this game ends in a 56-20 to 20 thrashing uh, in favor of OU, are we going to be sitting here and saying, oh, yeah, this defense is real? Well, no, that's not going to be the case. We're still going to hold out hope until the Texas game more than likely. But this test is still there. So with that, guys, uh, this is the pregame edition. And for those out there that are just kind of new to the whole process of the Inside OU podcast, um, these are going to be a little bit shorter than our um, uh, Monday podcast, Tuesday podcast, whenever we're able to meet up all together and uh, record. Um, these are a little bit shorter, more concise, and the whole format that we kind of came up with, I'll ask Rufus and John three things that they're um, looking for in terms of uh, something specifically with the um, OU's team, three things that they're afraid of, which uh, not necessarily that these three things will make OU lose, but just things that OU needs to improve on, I mean, whatever. And then, of course, the score prediction so that you all can keep us all, you know, <laughs> you've got to hold us accountable. Uh, John and I have been fairly good with our score predictions. Um, the first pregame podcast we did, Rufus had to go run over and do the radio uh, for 107.7 The Franchise because he's kind of a popular guy. He wasn't able to make a score prediction. Um, but John and I have been fairly close, so whatever you hear on this podcast is probably what's going to happen. So, uh, John, I started with you, so I'll start with Rufus. Uh, what are three things that you're excited to see for this Oklahoma team as they take on Texas Tech tomorrow? Um, one, um, see, a, 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 see the offensive line continues to uh, grow and improve um, as a unit. They, they took a step forward against UCLA. They played a lot better, a lot cleaner game. Um, also excited to see if, uh, how Jalen Hurts continue to settle into the offense and see what new things they put in uh, after they self-evaluated and seeing routes that Jalen Hurts like, reads that he trusts, that he can make quickly and more precisely, more precise um, as well. So I I'm, 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 can't wait. The first thing is the offensive line and see if they can continue to make steps forward and get their getting the running backs to be their lead rusher instead of Jalen Hurts. Two, seeing Jalen Hurts is comfortable, how comfortable he is, and see what they did new wrinkles that Lincoln Riley put in. And three, the defense, uh, see how they progressed after a week off, and that they can self-evaluate themselves and see how they go and approach the game uh, when they play against an opponent with a little bit more talent than UCLA. Uh, may may pose a different threat uh, as well down the field with Vasher, who's a tall, linky receiver that they struggle with tall receivers. Um, and see how they play against that. I also want to see how Buki 
bounces back from his UCLA performance in the safeties as well. So that whole kind of defensive unit, see how they take steps forward from their week off. And, John, same thing for you. Uh, cosine on all that. Um, <laughs> no, it's funny. One of my uh, one of my things that I have written down here was uh, got to give it up. In other words, Jalen Hurts got to give up the football. I want to see him hand the thing off. I'm, I, I listen. Everybody loves good quarterback play. Everybody loves to see a running quarterback break out of the pocket and scramble and make big plays happen. I think Sooner fans are not. I won't say tired of it because he's 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 one of the most dynamic players in the country. But you've got Trey Sermon back there waiting to get the football. You've got Kennedy Brooks back there who has, through three games, guys, 17 carries. This is a 1,000-yard running back last year. Trey Sermon's gone for 900 in his career, plus 700 as a freshman. Give the football to the running backs. Jalen Hurts, 16 carries against Houston, 14 carries against UCLA. That's too many. Trey Sermon only 11, 9, and 7 in his three games. Kennedy Brooks only 4, 6, and 7 in his three games. I want to see those guys get the football, pound the rock. And at the same time, I want to see the offensive line get nasty. If it rains, great. If it gets muddy, great. If it gets sloppy, great. Because I think this offensive line might, might need an attitude adjustment at this point in the season. I'm sure that's what Bill Biedenboe has probably spent the past, uh, you know, two weeks plus doing for those guys with the open date and all that stuff is giving them, getting them tougher, getting them kind of a, uh, an attitude that, you know, we're going to go in here and there's going to be short yardage plays and we're going to need a yard and we're going to need you to step up and, and be a man. We're going to need you to step up and grow a pair right here instead of, you know, the, the pass protection issues and the con the confusion that's occurred in some of the run on some of the run plays. The reason Jalen Hurts leads the team in rushing is because he's had to get the hell out of there under duress about a handful of times. And when he does, it's usually a big play. Uh, and then the third thing is, and I'm going to stick with the offense here. Sorry, Rufus. I want to see, see, and I said this before, I want to see C.D. Lamb get more than two catches or one catch. I want to see Grant Calcaterra get more than two catches, which he's at four right now through three games. Uh, Charleston Rambo has been fantastic. Three catches for 105 in the opener, five for 116 at UCLA. I want to see Charleston Rambo get in the, in the attack. Sure, that'd be great. But C.D. Lamb is your All-American. He is the guy that's going to win the Bolitnikoff Award if it's going to be a Sooner this year. Uh, Grant Calcaterra, is going to win the Mackey Award if it's going to be a Sooner this year. Get the football in the hands of your playmakers, not just the running backs, but the receivers too. Yeah, I mean, those are all really good points, John. And the, the, the thing that I've kind of, I guess, accepted over these last few weeks as we've seen OU play against some subpar competition is um, it's been basically Jalen Hurts figuring out what he is able to do in this Lincoln-Riley offense. Now, um, the – I guess the fear is you don't want to run your guy into the into the ground when you have a stable of running backs like you like you talked about, John. Uh, you don't want to get him hurt. You don't want to get him dinged up. So that's always the fear when he takes off, when he could have very well on a read option handed it off to Kennedy Brooks or Trey Sermon or Ramondre uh, Stevenson. Uh, there's always going to be that fear of getting him hurt. But I always knew and I always I mean assumed because it hasn't happened yet. But once. OU got into Big 12 play, once their competition stepped up a little bit more, that's when they have to rely on their guys. And Grant Calcaterra, C.D. Lamb, Trey Sermon, those are their guys. Are they going to be able to spread it out to 9, 10, 11 receivers and get some of those true freshmen in the game every single week? Well, probably not because the mm -hmm. competition is going to step up and you've got to rely on your guys. So um, rest assured, OU fans, uh, C.D. Lamb's going to get – he's going to get fed – 
Trey Sermon's going to get fed, especially against Texas Tech. Trey Sermon had a field day uh, last year, um, except in the middle of the game when Lincoln Riley kind of got cute with the play calling, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Anytime uh, Trey Sermon runs against Texas Tech, and you can go back to Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, this this Red Raider defense wants nothing to do with a running back like Trey Sermon. So I mean, <laughs> he um, had a career high like 206 yards last year on like 17 carries, and he should have yeah. had like Chuba Chuba Hubbard numbers in terms of his carries uh, last year. Uh, so with that, uh, Rufus, I'll jump back to you. Uh, what three things scare you? And I'm going to assume maybe one of them goes into one of the things that you were looking for, which was Buki Radley Hiles, or maybe even specifically just the secondary in general. But what are three things that you're fearful of for OU tomorrow morning? Yeah, the first one is the uh, the secondary. I mean, you you're all week you hear about Bridges moving to safety, where is there a big problem at safety? So maybe they shine a light in a situation where maybe you can mask it a little bit, but now there's been a big light shined on it that it's a problem place because you're taking a wide receiver and you're moving into the safety spot. So that's one. That's number one. That is a big, huge concern for me um, because of how it's being portrayed and how it's being talked about of Bridges coming over there and playing and the reasoning why he's coming over there. Um, it could be some sour feelings in there, but I mean, I really don't care about people's feelings as much as any as the next man. I'm more step on anybody's feelings if I'm trying to get better and you're not doing the job you're supposed to do. But uh, for the most part, it just kind of puts out there that there's a problem there. Um, number two would be um, the the nickel spot, the nickel spot and linebacker spot. Uh, still kind of concerns me if they they figure out something about the defense and start to put those guys in man-to-man situation if teams decide to start picking on Buki where do you go after that if he doesn't perform or show up when they start to pick on him because they're going teams are going to start singling him out and saying well we're going to attack him whenever he's covering we're going to make him tackle in the open field with that those guys are going to start getting those challenges of having to tackle in the open field and then with Kenneth Murray with playing man-to-man in the middle of the field, seeing how he adjusts to that as well because the receivers have had success in the middle of the field if you go back and watch in the film of the history of how he doesn't relate to routes very well. Um, and third, the last thing that uh, that makes me fearful is um, Jalen Hurts um, being stubborn and wanting to run the ball instead of trusting the read and throwing the ball and let it go. That, that that's very fearful for like because you said some of those time in those duress situations it wasn't be he had to run out of the pocket because guys that got to him it was because there was a read there that that happened some on a few times that he just didn't take the he didn't he didn't make the throw he didn't let the guys that are five-star athletes or are as good as he is as far as athletes being recruited and putting the ball out there so they can catch it um so that's kind of got me a little hung up and stuff and fearful because he likes to run the ball, especially when he gets in the red zone. He wants to keep it and go in the end zone. I like Jalen Hurts, and I like the way he's playing right now, but I don't think it's sustainable throughout the year because guys going guys gonna to be taking shots. They're going to start hitting him low, hitting him in his knees and stuff. So those are the, those are the three things that really uh, worry me the most. And, John, I just realized I let Rufus go first uh, each time. So are you just going to say 100% all on Rufus? <laughs> exactly what he said, teacher. Um, no, I, I think he's right. Uh, I think he's and, – and that's fine. Rufus needs to go first anyway. He's the, he's the linebacker here. He's the All-American. Um, okay, so a couple of things that I think need to – that the Sooners need to be aware of. Um, uh, what do we call this? Protect this house? This house being Jalen Hurts, um, he's got to stay clean. If it is raining, especially if it is muddy, 
He's got to stay clean. Uh, Texas Tech right now. Remember I told you OU's defense has 22 tackles for loss. Texas Tech has 23. They've got six quarterback sacks. Keith Patterson is their defensive coordinator. This is a guy who gets very clever with his pressure. He did it at Utah State. He did it when he was at West Virginia. He did it at Arizona State. He did it when he was with Pitt at Pitt with uh, Todd Graham. And he did it when he was at Tulsa with Todd Graham. A couple of quick stats on Keith Patterson. Last year at Utah State, they led FBS with 32 takeaways. He was the defensive coordinator. They went 11-2. and two. When he was at Arizona State, they ranked sixth in the country in turnover margin, and they led the nation in quarterback sacks. And when he was at Pitt, they, they were third in the nation in quarterback sacks. This guy gets creative, gets clever, because those none of those are, you know, he doesn't have All-Americans at Pitt and Arizona State and Utah State, but he gets guys to play in a certain structure. Very disruptive. Very, They swipe at the football. They pull the football out. Um, they hit the quarterback in a manner that dislodges the football. So something to watch for. That's something that Texas Tech really, really wants to get done is, uh, is changing the football game with uh, turnovers. Um, the other thing is it's simple. That one was protect this house. This one is don't get beat. If you guys watch The uh, Walking Dead, Morgan used to tell people don't get bit. Well, this is don't get beat. <laughs> TJ TJ Vasher, six foot six, two hundred pounds. Guess guess what, what they're going to try and do? They're going to try and throw the football against a couple of five ten, five eleven cornerbacks. Okay, TJ Vasher's going to get his, but if you let five foot eleven inch Dalton Rigdon catch screen passes or drags or or slants underneath, if you let five foot ten McLean Mannix catch catch balls in the seam between the zones, if you can't find those guys, identify them, they're going to cut you up. So. You can't miss – you can't have blown coverages right there, and you certainly can't miss tackles. That's something that uh, in this – with the way Texas Tech has always struggled. Rufus, you'll remember this as well as anybody. Texas Tech comes to Norman. They struggle to move the football. Why? Because OU tackles in space. If, if OU doesn't tackle in space, we've seen what can happen. Made Patrick Mahomes famous. <laughs> you are never one. That was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. That was a fun game to watch, fun game to be at, but it was also a painful game in the same <laughs> sense to watch on defense because it hurt me to my core watching that whole entire game. I think that game, the one that they that on that one, that turned Jordan Evans Jordan Evans season around as a linebacker. He played some of the best football going down the stretch that year after playing against Texas Tech. You can go back and watch it on film. He was a different, absolute different guy. The rest of the season so I mean it had some it had its I guess it's silver lining in it because Jordan Evans became a different man on the field for sure yeah and I, I can't remember if it was just an internet rumor or if Jordan Evans actually talked about it to the media but uh, apparently like after that game that him and his dad had to come to Jesus moment and like you're right Rufus he turned into an all-conference level uh, type of uh, linebacker and had a phenomenal into his uh to the year into his sooner career but that's nah, it's not a rumor it's it's true okay Dad take those earrings out and all that crap and told <laughs> hey who the hell are you who, who what the hell are you who the hell are you trying to be you know and the rest is history i mean but it did it changed it changed who he was it, I mean, it was a good conversation to have yeah no question and, and that's probably like one exciting uh, as people would describe that game OU victory that I've probably never watched again, just for those same reasons, Rufus. I like it. I like I love exciting football and scoring. High scoring games are fun sometimes, but that was particularly hard to watch. But uh, with that, gentlemen, 
Um, I am frankly a little surprised that the three things that you were looking for or fearful of didn't include Trajan Bridges getting some time at safety this Saturday. Yeah, no, that would be, that would be fun. Um, it would be unfortunate is what it is. If, uh, if Trajan Bridges has to go out there and play safety, it means the Sooners don't have enough good safeties and they have to re- rely on a, a freshman wide receiver to come over and help Yikes. them. That would, that would not be good. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's what I was saying to us, especially a freshman wide receiver. That's just getting snaps. Now, now he's in the game within a week of everybody else of just doing it. And they, all the guys had a camp, a spring and all that stuff to play safety and all that. So that would kind of worry me a lot as well. But like I said, it, it worries me already because they are talking about it and moving a guy from one spot to another, and you figure that, well, they don't have any other guys there with depth, and that worries me that they're moving a wide receiver, a five-star wide receiver there uh, to play safety. But, I mean, if the kid can play, they said he can play some cornerback. He was a pretty good cornerback in high school. Um, it'll, it'll be fun to see what he does if he gets in. I don't think he gets in, but if he does, then – Hey, it is what it is. Yeah, and, and speaking of speaking of that, uh, John, did you not think that it was funny that Lincoln Riley sat there and told you guys? Now he was technically correct. I think his exact quote was, "If I make a permanent move of somebody on the team, I'll let you guys know." Now Trajan Bridges has not been permanently moved to safety. He's still going to be a wide receiver more than likely as he plays out his sooner career. But he is apparently, according to Alex Grinch. Uh, getting some time at safety, but I, it was so funny that he says that, and then Alex Grinch was just so matter of fact of like, oh yeah, he's uh, he's practicing with us. I, I'm not sure um, exactly what to make of that. Uh, if they're making a change, I don't know what Lincoln would be like trying to hide. You know, there's there's not a there doesn't seem to be unless I'm stupid and not seeing it uh, any kind of uh, technical you know um, advantage, schematic advantage, or anything like that. Where hey guys. This wide receiver is playing uh, DB for him now. We we can't run that play anymore. That that's not in play. So I'm not sure why he did that uh, unless there's somebody out there like maybe a mom or a dad or somebody like that who's really got their feelings hurt over this. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know why that that played out like it did. And then the other. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Rufus. I why, yeah, I don't know why either. Why it's uh, some secret or anything like that. Um, for me, I think I think he went and he approached coach and stuff and try to get some things figured out because i mean he's not going to redshirt this year because he's going to play special teams he's been a really good special teams player for him so i figure you i think they figure well i'll just put him at a place where if i need an emergency basis if i need him to play i can put somebody in if these other guys are not working also i mean he's i mean he's he wears a defensive jersey some days in practice he also go goes and do the right receiver routes and learn plays in the offensive room so it's okay for him to be a dual threat guy too, as well. I mean, you can play both ways. I've seen a few guys play both ways and done some great things. Uh, it gives you more options in the NFL for sure. And then one more thing, gentlemen, before we get to the um, score predictions, no one mentioned the fear of potentially uh, either Callum Sutherland being suspended for this game, or I mean, Rufus, what you told us on Monday about what happens when these well the the types of punishments that happen when alcohol related crimes take place. I mean, hopefully his leg isn't tired from that Stairmaster on, what, thir- level 13, 14, 15. Uh, my legs would. I don't know if I could kick a field goal at that point, even a few days afterwards. He'd be all right. <laughs> He'd be all right. I mean, he's, a, he's an athlete, I guess you can say. Um, but um, uh, he's going to play. I don't think he'll sit out, of the, sit out this game. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, I don't think he was an idiot or anything. I mean, he got busted, but it depends on what he did 
and how he got busted with a public intox. If it was somewhere, he was somewhere and walking down and they got him and he wasn't causing some crazy thing, it's different. Um, it depends on – it's just the circumstances behind his public intoxication. And I don't think it was anything that bad because he's not – they didn't come out and say it's being suspended. They said it will be handled internally. Mm-hmm. If he was going to be suspended, they would have said, well, he's going to be suspended for this game. They said it's being handled internally. Exactly. Um, now, I guess we'll go right to the scoring predictions. So, uh, everybody, like I said, keep us uh, hold us accountable. Uh, John, I'll let you go first. What score do you predict will happen tomorrow? How about 45-28 Oklahoma? Woo, the points. I'm going 45-24. I'm right in the same range with him. That's what I said yesterday uh, on Locker Room Unfiltered, and I'm, st- I'm sticking with it, 45-24 Oklahoma. God, I'm the homer here. I mean, obviously, that's kind of my role on this podcast. But, I mean, Color Me is somebody who's really excited about this defensive line. And if they continue to get pressure, uh, make plays behind the line of scrimmage, or even just simply speed up uh, the quarterback trying to go through his progressions, that, of course, always helps everybody in the back end. Um, I'm thinking 56 to 20. (laughs) So, um, backup quarterback uh, in Norman. OU right after a bye week, and I know Tech had a bye week as well. So, I mean, just you can call me a homer. That that's fine. Well, I'm I'm looking at the fact that backups are going to be in the game if we're uh, if you're dominating them forty thirty something to the whatever at halftime, and so by the third quarter, mid third quarter, you, we've seen our backups give up a lot of points. So, I mean, I see us getting forty five points and the backups giving up twenty one or twenty three or twenty four and whatever. I see our defense giving up a field goal or a touchdown, maybe yeah. ten points, and then the backups come and give up two touchdowns and game over. Is, That's how I look at it. Are your points garbage time too, John, or do you do you expect maybe a competitive first half and then OU pulls away late? Points are points. Good teams <laughs> yes. win. Great teams cover. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. Is 28 points is the threshold? What, what's the threshold for when OU fans start questioning Alex Grinch or saying, like, oh, God, that, that's too much. It's just like last year. How many points are we talking about here? No, yeah. it depends on what unit it's on. And whenever you have the first unit on and you get in 28 points, 30 points on the first unit, then you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, this is like last year. But whenever you're like they were dominating Houston, and then they, they started – Houston got comfortable and stuff, and that was on the first unit. But then when they're playing against South Dakota and they're dominating and you take out the first unit, the second unit comes in, it's kind of – then they start scoring. Same thing at UCLA. They start putting other guys, other groups in and they start scoring points. You're kind of like, eh, whatever. It's on the second unit. I mean, it was like that whenever we played. It all depends on the unit that you have out there. And for Oklahoma – and that's how Oklahoma fans will look at it. Oh, you did it on our twos. Our twos need a lot of work. All right, guys. Well – Another pregame edition in the bag. Uh, Rufus, John, thank you guys so much for joining, uh, jumping on the podcast once again, guys. You got it. You got it. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Inside OU. Appreciate it as always. Uh, You guys enjoy yourselves tomorrow. Be safe. All that good stuff. I'll be tailgating. John will be working. Rufus will be working. Maybe Maybe you all, maybe some of you will run into us, run into them. Just say hi and say that you love the podcast. We'll appreciate it. But for Mr. Rufus Alexander and Mr. John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham. Y'all have a good rest of your day. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at thefranchiseok.com.
Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover and be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.